Before we get started today, I want to thank everyone who's been sharing the show. In the past, October has been a low point for us. When we look at the metrics, um, listenership always drops in October. And obviously, there's been a lot of other things for people to be paying attention to. And in spite of that, last month in October, we saw our highest number of downloads that we've ever seen on The Messy Studio. And that is absolutely thanks to everyone who has been sharing the show with new people. So I want to also welcome all of the new listeners that we've gained in the past month. And thank you for joining us on this journey that we're all sharing together. Uh, This podcast started as conversations between my mother and I that have always really been more for us than anything else and something that I hope to share with my kids someday. And it's turned into something that's built a relationship with an entire community of people who have become part of the show and who we really greatly appreciate. So welcome to all of the new listeners. And I really hope that you enjoy the show. And I really hope that everyone who's listening who hasn't done so already will go on to wherever you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice and give us a five-star rating and review. Um, I'm going to tell you a, a little secret, and that's that the only ratings that actually matter in terms of rankings for the podcast are five stars. So if you don't feel that we earned five stars, um, I really hope that you'll you'll fill out the contact form on the website, MessyStudioPodcast.com, and let us know what we can improve in order to earn a five-star rating from you. So thanks again to everyone for sharing the show, for listening, for becoming part of this community. So let's get on into it. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about studio tips and hacks. Once again, our listeners have come through with answers to our Facebook query about ideas for storage, worktops, unusual tools, and other studio tips to make our spaces and processes more efficient, and yes, more neat and organized. Even those of us who are okay with messy conditions like to be able to locate our supplies and to use our available space in the best ways. Today we'll talk about some of the tips people gave us for improving their studio spaces and working methods, and add a few of our own. With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello everyone. I think this may actually be the most popular Facebook question I've ever posted uh, in terms of all the comments that came in, although um, actually the one about cars that we did last year. Yeah, that was surprisingly popular as <laughs> that well. Was, that was close. Uh, I think you, this one's a little bit less surprising that it was so popular, but I think we got some really good responses, right? We did, and we got you know pictures and everything, and, so, and I'll be putting some of the pictures that we got of uh, people sending stuff that they've done in their studios um, because, you know, it's it's better than trying to describe it in a lot of cases. But um, anyway, I, I just, I thought that was great. And it, it really shows that, you know, as artists, we have some pretty practical concerns. And um, also, it seems like a lot of people, you know, when they solve a problem or they figure something out, it's it's a point of pride. You know, they're like, hey, look what I figured out. Let's share it. And um and so it was really nice to see all those responses. And there were so many that um, going through them, I tried to 
kind of figure out a few broad categories that I could start out with, uh, just kind of generally. And also when I, when I go through the things more specifically, um, you know, I'll throw a few names of people that submitted in, but I'm sorry. I, I probably can't include everyone, um, who, who answered. But if you go on Facebook and, um, uh, go to um, my Facebook page, which is public, and the Messy Studio page. There are responses on both. So the kind of the common themes that I um, picked up on, one of them was making the best use of available space. Um, lots of people don't have big studios, and they have cleverly figured out ways to maximize what they do have. Um, things like using the space above and below the work areas. Say if they have a counter or a worktop, they're going to have uh, ways to store stuff below it and ways to store stuff above it. Um, there was a, a painter, Laura Haworth, sent a photo of some sliding storage drawers that um, she had built in for her paintings above her other shelves because she has very high ceilings. And that was very clever. Uh, Anya Laville advised storage up, not out. You know, don't, if you don't have a lot of room, things that don't project very far into the room are, are pretty good. Keep to keep to the walls. Right. And depending on your physical limitations in terms of, of the size of you, it, that may uh, limit what you can put high up in terms of how yeah. heavy something is, um, how easy it is to access things. You may have to have some kind of ladder system or something in place. Yeah, um, good point. I, I, I definitely have a mechanical advantage in, in storing up, and that's my tendency as well. But I'm also tall, and I'm 200 pounds, and so it's pretty easy for me to lift heavy things up onto yeah. a higher shelf. But right. uh, sometimes that can be difficult if you're, if you're smaller and shorter. Yeah, that, that's really true. And, and um, you know, I often have um, a stepladder or something. I'm pretty tall myself, but I have a stepladder, one of those ones with like three steps in the studio just so I can get up high. Um, yeah, this may be something that's not really um, useful. In ter- it, it may be a more expensive solution than uh, what people want to invest. Um, but uh, actually, at the at the place where I work, we have a winch system that uh, that helps us move kegs around because oh. we have we have very limited space there when we store the kegs on shelves. Um, and so there's a, a winch system that's in like a rolling track on the ceiling. Wow. And um, and so that's something that if you do have larger items that you want to get into taller spaces, um, I mean, these winch systems, I think that the ones that we have, we got it at Harbor Freight or something, and it wasn't terribly expensive. It was professionally installed. Um, but for somebody who's like, you know, DIY and handy, um, that kind of system might be something that, that works for them. That's interesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, even if something lifting, I mean, when you say that, I think about lifting wood panels up and down um, onto my painting wall, and they can be pretty heavy. And it's not that I couldn't do it once or twice, but when you do that over a day, you know, and, and you're lifting constantly, you can start to feel it, you know, in your shoulders and everything. So that's an interesting kind of ergonomic idea is to have some kind of um, lifting system. 
Right. And something similar could be accomplished with like a, a pulley system or, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, like a come along or something like that, that maybe isn't, you don't necessarily need like a big electric winch or on a track system. Right. But there's something there's definitely, pull. there's solutions that could be come up with to help you lift things that, that maybe you couldn't easily lift on your own to those taller spaces. Yeah. All right. Good one, Ross. You, okay. you, you, you have contributed. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got about 500 <laughs> more ideas here. So <laughs> moving along, um, the, a lot of people talked about using space in a flexible way. And I know I do this in my studio with folding banquet tables, those kind of cheap tables that you can get at a hardware store that fold up flat. And when I need to use one, I want to maybe I'm gessoing a big panel or something like that, I get it out and otherwise I put it away. Um, and those are, you know, really flexible. Several people mentioned interesting the ways to use um, the backs of doors for hanging um, different things, which I'll get into. Um, uh, Catherine Heller, an artist, mentioned that she had a sink put into a closet. So finding a little nook or cranny for something that you need to do. And the last big category was uh, reusing and repurposing. Um, that's a big one. Lots of artists will look at, you know, an old, you know, they use a can or a box or something and they say, okay, well, maybe that would be useful in the, in the studio. Um, and like old rugs on the floor, I do this just to cushion my, uh, cement floor. So it's a little bit softer to walk on. Several people mentioned tearing up rags from old t-shirts, um, Ellen Evans mentioned using old toothbrushes for mark making. Uh, and I know they're also useful for splattering if you're using a stencil. Um, packing materials, whenever I get a box, um, I look at it and I think, well, what are they packing this with? Is it something I can use? And if it's crumpled up, that crumpled up brown paper, I smooth it out and reuse it for things, actually, you know, covering tables or using it for texture. Um and I also reuse a lot of shipping materials and cardboard boxes and stuff. You can, you know, you can fold them flat if you don't have the room to pile them up. But um, they're they're useful uh, for if you need a big piece of cardboard or you're or you're shipping something. So uh, to go into a little more specifics, um, a lot of people talked about work tables, tabourets, uh, worktops. And they sent pictures, and there are so many great ideas um, of these type of things made out of wood. There are metal ones that are made for storing tools that you can get at um, DIY stores. Uh, lots of people like them to be on wheels so that they can move them around. And I'll put up a picture of the tabarets that um, Don made, my husband, and for the new studio I have here in New Mexico, they're so great. They're they're quite large. I use the tops for um, workspace, and they are on wheels, and they have shelves underneath. And part of the thing about being on wheels is I figure if I teach a workshop in my studio at some point, I can move them into places for the uh, students to use. It also means um, if you make your own that you can get the right uh, countertop height for yourself, depending on your height. Um, so there's all kinds of these people hang stuff on the sides. They put hooks on them and little shelves on the side and kind of customize them for their own tools. Um, 
sometimes if you buy a table, it's not the right height. Maybe you're too tall for it and your your back is hurting, bending over it. Lots of people use cut-up PVC pipe to extend the legs or um, bed risers, something like that, so that you can get the table up to the correct height or some other type of pipe. Um, several people mentioned getting fixtures from stores that were going out of business. And you think of like display tables um, in a clothing store or a hardware store or something like that. And that, um, you know, they're going out of business, they're selling everything. And I've been in places like this myself and stared at some of these fixtures and thought, hmm, wow, that sure looks like it would be handy. You know? Yeah, a lot of times you can get those really nice uh, modular steel racks um, yep. as well. Uh, when A lot of places use those for storage and back and things like that. And, and they're super nice and they're pretty expensive if you just go buy them. But if you get them when some place is going out of business, you can get, right. a, get them for a steal. They just want to get rid of them. So, yeah. so I'll put a few pictures of those up as well. Um, so for painters, uh, palette is a big thing, you know, where are you going to mix your paint? And of course you can buy them, but there are things people do with palettes that are really kind of an improvement of some of the ones that you could buy. And glass is a really popular surface for a palette. So you can get, um, and you should use tempered glass. You don't want it to be cracking on you, uh, but you can get countertop or I'm sorry, um, Tops for things like furniture, like dressers or coffee tables. And rather than going and buying a glass palette, which would, could be quite expensive, the one that I use here in New Mexico was the top of a coffee table that was on Craigslist. Um, so the coffee table itself was really cheap. Took the glass top off and just put it on top of one of these um, counters that Don made and it's great. And one of the things about glass is that you can clean it so easily. You just scrape it with a razor blade or a palette knife and then wipe it down. Um, so other ideas for glass. Uh, somebody mentioned glass cutting boards. Um, that would be a bit smaller. But if you don't have need for a big palette, um, that's fine. Several people mentioned metal kitchen trays, cookie sheets, um, Teresa Kleberad mentioned using freezer paper spread completely over the top of a table. So freezer paper has that uh, waxy surface, and um, it's it's also pretty heavy duty. So you could spread it on your table, uh, tape it down. She buys it in a great big kind of um, you know restaurant service type roll, uh, puts it in a holder, and just spreads the stuff on her table, and then that whole table becomes a pallet. And it can, when it gets to the point where you can't use it anymore, you can just get rid of it and put some more on. Yeah. Another one that occurs to me is um, granite or marble. Mm. Um, if you know of a place nearby that does granite or marble countertops, mm. um, usually there's a whole dumpster full of scraps in the back and there's some some pieces that are, are of a usable size. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I actually got one that, uh, I, I like cook salmon on it and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you can, you can just go and talk to them. Most of the time that stuff is just trash to them and they'll just let you take whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's quite classy too, to have a marble palette, I would think. Right. <laughs> uh, the last one I wanted to mention under palettes was, uh, 
uh, plastic ice cube trays. Uh, there's a picture I'll put up of someone that sent in. They were the rounded type, like if you're making rounded ice cubes. But especially for water-based media like uh, watercolor, where you're mixing something really liquid into the paint, you don't want it running all over a flat palette. And so, and it looked quite easy to clean as well. So storage is a really big topic. Got all this stuff. Everybody gets lots of stuff. What are you going to do with it? Um, Paula Dunn sent in a picture of what she called an old mechanics chest. And, you know, it had all these little drawers and stuff. And it's, it's also quite beautiful. I mean, the, it, it opens up this whole category of furniture that is meant for to be uh, either industrial commercial furniture or furniture, household furniture that you can use in other ways and kind of repurpose it. And sometimes you could probably get quite a deal on these things. Um, and there were several other things that people sent pictures of in that they got, you know, maybe they were sort of antiques, but not pricey antiques, just old things that could hold a lot of materials. Real quick, I want to let everyone know about what's new with Squeegee Press. Squeegee Press has now undergone its beautiful transformation to become Cold Wax Academy. And what's more, for everyone who enjoys using their special cold wax tools, all sizes of the SP Create Squeegees are now back in stock. Rebecca and her partner, Jerry McLaughlin, are also launching their online live learning sessions as part of the new membership program, and all sessions will be recorded for future viewing by members. For more information and to become a member of Cold Wax Academy, please visit their website at www.coldwaxacademy.com and click on the membership button. That's www.coldwaxacademy.com and hit the membership button. All right, let's get back into it. Okay, so back to storage. Um, for So for individual stuff, um, we just mentioned some furniture that you could put a lot of materials in, but... A lot of uh, artists used a variety of plastic containers, uh, clear plastic that they could stack, that they could see what's inside, and those are readily available. And um, you know, they come to mind. I mean, I I use them in my studio. I also have uh, plastic shower totes that they sell for. I think they're mainly for like college kids living in dorms and they want to carry their stuff into the bathroom, uh, but they have divisions in them and a handle and I use them for my paint tubes so they stand upright in there and then I can because I'm really really bad and really messy about putting the caps on my oil colors um, I see the color from the top of the tube rather than trying to read the label <laughs> which is going to be all you know crusted over with dried paint so for me those work really well I just look down at the top of the tote and I see the colors there um so you can be you can be messy and organized at the same time, I, I suppose. Uh, but at the opposite end of that spectrum, Ginny Herzog sent a, a picture of uh, extremely organized and and beautifully clean uh, way that she deals with her paint, which is to have a pegboard, um, a clip like a binder clip on the on the bottom end of the tube where it's rolled up or whatever, and then that clip hangs on the pegboard so she keeps her caps on i'm sure because otherwise the paint would run out but you know she can organize them by color or whatever and look at this pegboard and see all her paint tubes and it's um you know if 
if that's in you to be that organized, I think that's really quite wonderful. I saw that in her studio when I visited her once. Um, someone else mentioned um, clothesline for hanging, you know, paper and stuff on. So clothesline skirt hangers um, for paper. And I think that's a really interesting idea. So these would be the hangers that have kind of a, a wooden clamp. They're kind of, I suppose, a little old-fashioned or something, but they have a hanger-type top and then a clamp at the bottom long. And so you could put a big sheet of paper into the clamp and then just hang them on the back of a, a door or on a wall. Um, a guy named uh, Lee Montz had several interesting storage ideas and he talked about the the kind of uh, round hooks that you'd hang curtains from, but they have a little clip at the bottom. And he uses those to clip his cleaned brushes that uh, he's waiting for them to dry. He hangs them from those. Um, let's see, what else have we got? Um, so Elizabeth uh, Showwalker sent a picture of a bread rack, and I'm not sure where she got this, but it looks like something that maybe you could get from, say, um, a bakery that was going out of business or something. So it's got all these shelves, and then she put uh, cafeteria trays on there and uses it for clay work. Um, you could store other things on it as well. People mentioned using tubes for rolled-up paintings for paper. Um, an idea that I've seen in my workshops is people bring uh, to the workshop pizza boxes, and these are not old pizza boxes with bits of pizza in them. <laughs> I think they would go to a pizza store and say, hey, could you spare a few boxes? But bringing those boxes to a workshop and then putting wet paintings inside of them to take them home, uh, it seems to be kind of a workshop thing. I've run into it more than once, and I think it's a great idea if you're not flying. I mean, if you're in a car and you go to a workshop. But you could use those in your studio as well for flat pieces Okay, what else have we got? So so Lee Mons again, he likes this stuff, this material that you get at the hardware store that is used in ceilings, and it looks like a plastic grid. I'm not sure how deep, maybe an inch deep or something. Um, and he uses it for storage, like for brushes. Um, he also cut a piece and put it down into a bucket and uses it to clean brushes. So I guess you'd sort of... Um, you know, rub them against this plastic grid to get rid of excess paint and then swish them around. So he's got some pretty inventive ideas with that stuff, and that, I will show some pictures of that. And I guess the last thing I wanted to mention in that kind of category was um, shoe holders. <laughs> so there's different products that are sold for stacking up your shoes or storing your shoes. And one of them is a, a cloth holder that would go on the back of uh, a door or on a wall, and it just has a cloth pockets in it. And that, um, Diane Erickson mentioned using one of those to put bottles in or things that would just fit easily into those pockets. Um, and Anita Jung showed a picture of one that was um, for her printing inks. And so it was one that had all these little cubbies and she'd have stuff in there. Um, also, she included a sideways storage tower for books. So rather than having it stack up, she had various things stacked on the floor and the storage tower across the top where she put her books. Um, so there's a lot of ideas there. I mean, I think this is a category that 
anybody could walk into their studio and say, oh, well, I use this, you know, I use that, because I think all of us do this. It's not uh, something that is easy to buy. I mean, art supply cabinets, I don't think really exist as such. So you're, you're improvising with whatever's out there. Um, another category I wanted to get a little specific about were tools. And these are either tools, uh, mostly like painting tools, I guess is what people sent in, but there's a few other ideas here. Um, one thing that I've used in printmaking, um, when you need to soak your paper for making a print, and you can definitely buy soaking trays, um, for in, it's a printmaking supply, but when I uh, did it last time, I just used a, a really cheap like thing you buy at the hardware store for when you're draining the oil out of your car. And it's just a big plastic thing. It wasn't very expensive, and it worked fine. You know, I mean, it wasn't attractive. It's kind of like the white ones are that you buy are heavy duty, and you can see when they're clean. That's the problem with this one. It uh, was a little bit harder to tell if it needed to be clean, but it worked fine. Um, again, at the hardware store, people buy all kinds of stuff for applying paint for textures. Um, one of my favorites is a tile tool that I use for kind of scraping across the surface of a uh, painting to create texture and reveal what's under there. Uh, let's see. Cindy Stapper sent me a picture of a mystery tool, something her father gave her many years ago, <laughs> <laughs> which I said, oh, I have to put a picture of that up. I don't know what else to say about it, but she uses it for like opening cans and stuff. And I guess what it reminded me of was a, a multi-tool, basically. It's got different kind of attachments on it. And a lot of artists like to have some, you know, some, just some hardware tools around. They're really very useful. Um, because we do that stuff. We pound nails in and we pry lids off and all that stuff. Um, Ruth Armitage sent a picture of a little mini spatula that is a cooking implement that she uses for um, in her painting for both detail and broad strokes. It's a matter of kind of flipping the edge of it. Uh, Gail Schellinger mentioned the all-purpose ice pick. <laughs> That's all she said about it. Uh, but I can imagine I have one that I use all the time, too, for, <laughs> again, for prying off lids, for making marks, uh, for punching holes, you know, gouging things. It's like, yeah, you need an ice pick. It seems like the kind of thing you could probably get at a, at a thrift store. There's a lot of, like, yeah. old uh, old tools and and old gadgets and things exactly. like that, that you can find at a lot of thrift stores. Right. And who really uses, you know, ice picks for ice anymore? But they definitely have their use in the studio. And it's similar, actually, to an awl. You can, you know, AWL, you can buy those. They have a, a metal tool with a fine point. And lots of different things people use for texture. Um, combs and sticks and uh, flocked wallpaper samples. I have used those in... Um, introduction introductory workshops for texture crafting papers if you go to a place like joann's or michael's they'll have a big section on different textured papers and things and those can be interesting in your work for creating texture um net bags from onions those are great kind of scrubby textural marks whisk brooms <laughs> so the list of things you can use to make textures in oil and cold wax and acrylic and clay. I mean, that's just pretty endless. Um, another 
category is how to use your walls, how to, um, if you're a painter and you need some type of easel, so what are the alternatives to buying an easel, which can be, you know, they're big, they're awkward, and they're quite expensive. So if you don't really have the room for one, a lot of people look for alternatives. Uh, and one alternative is actually just to lean a board against a wall, just get a great big piece, like a, a full-size sheet of plywood, um, maybe put something at the bottom to kind of anchor it and just lean it against your wall. And I have done that when I didn't have an easel. Um, Jerry McLaughlin has one similar like that, but it's, it is mounted on the wall with a little um, something that keeps it at an angle on the wall. It's quite simple. Um, people use pegboard on the wall for not just for storing tools, which is great, but for painting. So if you have a cradled panel, um, you can hang it on some hooks and, and use that to work. Um, and Pat Frost sent a really interesting idea for small works that you want to stick on the wall, which is really any type of metal strip. Um, and this could be th something you buy at the hardware store, and the name of it is escaping me, but it comes in a roll or the kind of metal strip you buy for a kitchen that you put knives on. And then all either the strip itself is magnetic or if you're putting something metal on it, but most of the time you'd be putting paper on it. So any old metal that would take a magnet works for this. And you could run it all along the, all along a wall, get a bunch of little magnets, and you can stick up small things, sketches and things you're working on that are on paper. And I think that's a great um, flexible kind of use of your wall. Uh, and just a couple more kind of quick things. Um, people asked about lighting, and we didn't get a lot of replies to that one. Um, shop lights or fluorescent fixtures. Uh, in my own studio, I have um, fixtures that hold uh, four daylight bulbs, Um and those are fine. I've got a bunch of them on the ceiling, but you know, it's, um, I, I don't think people were being terribly inventive there except to go and buy stuff and have it put up or put it up because basically you do need some kind of, you know, safe electrical fixture. If you're going to do that, um, you can use clamp lights for different like spotlighting things. And I've done that just, um, I had a, in my old studio, I had a, kind of a pole on wheels and I would stick clamp lights on it. I could move it around and just if I needed extra light on something. And um, th there was a caution mentioned that if you're using, if you're having commercial grade lighting installed, you may need more circuits in your studio. So it's one of those things, they don't let the pros do it, I think. <laughs> um, and I'm sorry, we don't have more suggestions for that because it's a, it's a really important aspect of a studio, but um, yeah, I think just do your research on that one. Um, the cleaning category. Well, this is an odd one for the messy studio, but <laughs> we do have to clean once in a while, right? <laughs> and there were people mentioned a couple things. And one, a, a product that I really love is called Rimple Cloth. It's R-Y-M-P-L-E-C-L-O-T-H. And it's sold for different reasons. And I bought it from I generally do buy it from a marine supply store. So people use it for polishing um, boats, like brass on boats or something. I don't know, for their yacht. <laughs> but what it is is this very soft cheesecloth. And it's it comes in a roll like a paper towel. 
but it's it doesn't shed um, a lot of lint, and it's really, really absorbent. So you can take one piece of this stuff and use it and use it and use it until it's absolutely saturated with your paint and oil and whatever. <laughs> At some point, it, it gets thrown away. But, you know, it's much... I think it's uh, more efficient than paper towel. And while it's a little expensive to buy it up front, I mean, a roll of it costs about $15, but it will last you a really long time. And it's great for texture, for painting with, for like blending color and everything. So that's a good one. And I do use it for cleaning because one little cloth, I can clean up my, to the extent that I clean my tools and my palette. Um, David Knowlton mentioned um, a clove oil product called Brush Dip, and he said it's really good for cleaning brushes. Uh, another cleaning product that I like is from Jerry's Artorama, and they're just called Studio Wipes. They come in a canister, like, um, you know, a lot of those kind of disposable wipes would come. And they really seem to do a job on oil paint, acrylic paint, hands, uh, and again, one you use one of those and you can clean up a lot of stuff with it before it's um, saturated. And let's see. Several people mentioned the ease of cleaning both glass and metal palettes by scraping them. Or uh, in terms of like if you're an encaustic painter and you get wax, apparently that just sort of pops off uh, galvanized steel. So people like that for a surface. And just a few kind of miscellaneous stuff at the end. Um uh, Allison B. Cook mentioned that when she's she's paints with oil and cold wax, and at the end of her session, you know she might have a pile of wax that had paint in it. You know it's not something she really wants to put back in her clan in her can of pristine wax. So she just wraps that up in wax paper, and she can use it again the next day. And those kind of um, saving tips, like we don't want to waste this stuff. It's all so expensive. I know people. Um, you know, cover palettes with oil paint with um, like um, plastic wrap at night. But another tip is to, if you have room or you have an extra freezer, you can put it in a freezer overnight and just thaw it out the next morning and use it. Um, I kind of like this one. This is from Hilly Drone, a, um, a UK artist. She wraps masking tape around um, paints, tubes of paint or tools that she wants to distinguish from others. So in in terms of oil painting, at least, there's a whole category of paints that are transparent paints and those that are more opaque. And she likes to wrap the tape around the transparent ones so she can just spot them right away because you use them for kind of different things. Um, but they could get lost in a pile, um, as they certainly do in my, my own studio. <laughs> uh, and I'm sorry I didn't write down her name, but somebody said the best tools are her hands. And she actually just paints with her hands a lot, wearing gloves. And, you know, what could be more handy and useful than that? And the last, th last thing I mentioned, because it's kind of funny, is Max McConkie sent a picture of his dog. And he said, you know, a studio dog. Now, that's really something that you need to have. <laughs> <laughs> know it just kind of adds this air of relaxation and comfort in the studio so very nice dog i know this dog it's a lovely dog so um if you don't have a studio dog maybe you better get one <laughs> well do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode uh 
well, you know, we just went through a whole lot of stuff. And like I said, check it out um, on our Facebook page. I'll make an album with these. And um, I don't know how organized I can get, but it'll be fun to just flip through them. And, you know, um, we, I, th- I think what it really points to is how, um, well, that old cliche necessity is the mother of invention, right? Um, we, we find a need, we fill it. And a lot of times the things that people came up with are things that you cannot buy, uh, purpose, purposefully made for that reason. Um, you just can't go out and buy some of these things. Um, and sometimes they're superior to the ones that you can buy because there, there's a custom aspect to them. So anyway, I, I loved hearing how artists are making use of these odd materials and studio setups and coming up with all these ideas. All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.